Well, well, Kenny Pick. Here we are, once again. It seems to be Thursday. It seems to be Thursday. That's right, it happened, and it happened to you. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Well, I don't know. I think there's probably a lot nicer people than me out there. <laughs> yeah, that might be true. I'm kind of an A. But it's showtime! Yeah, it is, and uh, we, we're starting a new chapter on a couple things uh, tonight. Yeah. So we finished up Ozma of Oz last week, and we finished up the first story arc of Jerry of the Circus, and he found his uncle. Yeah, he found his uncle. He's he's not an orphan. No, he's still an orphan. He's not in jail Jerry's anymore <laughs> for his dad's debt. <laughs> Sometimes you get yeah in jail for your dad's debt. That doesn't make sense. Debtors prison for children. Oh man, children under twelve <laughs> that are running around without a guardian. You know, yeah. um, his dad just said, "Go to the circus." That's that's not a will and testament. Okay, that's what most dads do. <laughs> oh, dads. So my dad did before he died. He's like, go join the circus, son. I said, no, dad. I have a steady job. <laughs> no, dad. Go well, join the circus, son. You might actually, find your uncle. Was his uncle's name Tom? No, that's uh, not it. No. No, it wasn't Tom. Nope. <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember what his uncle's name we'll was. We'll remember it later. It's, it's not Joe. It's, I don't know. Uh, yeah. We'll figure it out. Uncle Dan? But yeah. Uncle Dan. Uncle Dan. That was it. That was it. But so, yeah, enough about Jerry and the circus. We're on to Ozma of Oz. We're yeah. land no. and leaving the land of Ev and the Gnome King and uh, going back to Oz with Dorothy and and the Dorothy. wizard, I believe. But they may not be there yet. I'm not sure the, where they are. Where does well, the book the start? Book is, I don't know. The book, the book is called Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz. So eventually, yeah. I mean, they're gonna I get there. Yeah, that's Pro it's in the title. It's a spoiler. Yeah, promises are made. Yeah, promises, promises made. are made. Promises kept. Uh, yeah. So, um, we do not have a dramatic reading. We have a single reader. Hopefully, he's okay. If not, we will search for another reader. Um or uh, or employ Michelle uh, to read it. So <laughs> yeah, if he can't um, read the names of the characters correctly or can't pronounce them, yeah, we'll find yeah. somebody else. So that help can do me, it. God! If this guy says Belna, <laughs> if he says Belna, I'm out. Belna, you're out. Yeah, Bilna. you're not putting up with that, that guy. Did not that guy just didn't care? Yeah, he had his own agenda. He did. I mean, he, yeah. he, it just struck me as a guy who thought he had a really cool voice, but didn't really want to look at a sound out all the words. Um, yeah. That, you know. That's not going to go well, bode well for the fans. It's horse hockey. The fans. Horse hockey. Yeah. Speaking of horse hockey, um, maybe we'll learn about horse hockey from, uh, from Foxfire 505 later. So we shall see. Yeah, maybe. But, um, maybe, yeah, so, uh, we had some more fun, uh, VH VHS sales in the last week. Oh my gosh, we've been having so much fun. Um, 
Yeah. yeah, we've just been selling them, and you never know what's going to sell there at Voodoo Zombie Boutique on eBay. Um, I'm I have yet to make a commercial. I'm so I have I have a vision of it, but yeah, I just I need to sit down and do it. I've been dipping into my own personal collection and selling some rarities that I've gotten from conventions and yeah. uh, mail order and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in combination with things that we've purchased and things that were my dad's, um, we've uh, we've had a lot of uh, decent success recently. So um, and, uh, and you've been finding a lot of stuff that you forgot about, and that's exciting. Yeah. But yes. you just found uh, a VHS copy of Little Nemo. Which I yeah. consider kind of a cartoon ripoff of the Oz series, but it's not. No, it's it's kind of its own it's thing. Based on the old, comic but I think strip. it it kind of has the feel, the turn of the mm-hmm. century feel that I enjoy. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, so I found that for a quarter, um. and I'd be interested <laughs> in what Foxfire has to say about uh, Little Nemo, well, but I don't know if. She- she's on yet or yeah. whatever well um but, but yeah so recent sales uh we'll just uh we, some some lower end stuff save the last dance from 2001 with julia styles <laughs> it's a dance video i put dance yeah. dance with an exclamation point at the end <laughs> yeah and we and that that was we just sold that because we were like oh it's in package so that's cool yeah. Maybe there's a Julia Stiles fan out there. Yeah. I think so, there is. We sold Transylvania. Maybe there's a... Transylvania six, We sold Transylvania six five thousand with Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, and Ed Begley Jr. and a bunch of other people. Uh, that seemed some... kind of cool. Like that seemed kind of campy. I've never seen that, but that yeah. kind of sounded fun to me. Yeah, it's a cool movie. It's from the. It's it's a cool eighties movie. Um, and yeah. then uh. uh Neutron versus the Maniac and Neutron versus the Black Mask 1962 62 Luchador horror movies uh, from yeah. Something Weird Video. Those are from my personal collection. I sold those. We sold some baseball cards, a, a Gators uh, baseball cap. Uh, yeah, I only buy baseball caps that are for baseball teams, but I think this was yeah. a baseball college team, so it was kind of a stretch. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I see every once in a while I see at the thrift store I see a, a football team that's on a baseball hat. I'm like, that's yeah. not going to sell. I know it's not. So anyway, you know? so those are our recent purchase or sales, and uh, we we had a, a few others, but uh, I think yeah. I mentioned them, you know. So, um, uh, but oh, yeah, well, yeah, Light of Day, Michael J. Fox. I think we mentioned that, and then oh, Robert R- Rodriguez presents Predators, twenty two yeah. on Blu-ray. It's scary, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> You're like, yeah. I guess. So, yeah. It's so, gone. we've got a, you know, and uh, we're getting some uh, nice positive feedback. Um, but we're, we're enjoying writing reviews on these movies. We're enjoying selling them. We're enjoying having them. I don't know. Just the idea of having a wide variety of movies. So, you know, if. And I and we're kind of interested in. We're still not going to the theater, you know, and, yeah. and the theater costs like thirty, 30 bucks, bucks for, two, for two of us. Yeah, plus so snacks. 
Just buy just buy a DVD or a video instead. Yeah. But and then we we did luck into uh, a case of um, uh, external floppy disk drives, uh, USB yeah. floppy disk drives um, that we got for a, a decent price at a thrift store. They're all sealed, but we got twenty of them. And uh, we were selling those at quite the profit. So, um, uh, you know, that's uh, because, you know, I mean, they were in the thrift store. And that's such a specific item. You have to cast a wide net to, to find a good market for those. So it was like perfect yeah. store stock for us. Because we do but like at the same time, electronics yeah, people are, and stuff. Yeah, people are going to need their technology mm -hmm. um, to play with their new technology. So... We thought that would be a good thing to grab those up and help people out to find them, and you know. Yeah, and I yeah. Uh, we went to a yard sale today, and I lucked into a really nice. I still need to test it for five bucks. A really nice DVD and VCR combo. Um, yeah. I've got a pile of VCRs now, <laughs> um, and some of them don't work. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it didn't pay hardly anything for any of them. Um, yeah. and, uh, but this one, I, I'm, I have high hopes that this one's going to work for testing our merch because I don't know how much life our, uh, TV VCR combo has in it because it's tested hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tapes and we it clean has. it regularly, but you know, we need a backup. So I'm going to try and hook it up to our flat screen tonight and, uh, see what we got. But uh, and we found some video games at a yard sale for for like a dollar a piece for I forget what system it's like a handheld Nintendo yeah handheld Nintendo but uh, they were a buck a piece and they consistently sell for a fair amount of money and they're nice in the case with the instructions yeah. and everything so yeah we so we like to do that you know branch out with video games and stuff um, whatever we can find that looks like it sells and uh, you know and then we have our we lovingly refer to as our basic something pile of movies um, that we are we're trying to sell in in lots. Basic studio, yeah. that's what we call them. Basic yeah. studio, just mainstream over uh, you know uh, produced in multi you know millions of copies like Men in Black and Dances with so Wolves, many copies Titanic, of Men in Black, so James many Bond, Star Trek, all that stuff. I mean, there's good stuff in there. But so much of it was so overproduced, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, the the only things that, that sell well that were that tons were made of is um, the early Star Wars tapes, sometimes Ghostbusters, uh, Back to the Future, things like that. But um, you know, but you haven't run into a, a copy of Back to the Future yet. But you know, I did post a copy of Titanic that was mint in package from the '90s, and I figured. Nobody's touched it, you know. Like Nobody everybody's cares. seen that movie. Every time you know? we see, every time we see a listing for uh, somebody like, giving away or selling super cheap VHS tapes, there's always a copy of Titanic in there, always. And half yeah. the time it's sealed because people yeah. bought it because they were like, "This is an Oscar winner," you know. It's that two tape, that big honk and two tape set, and it's yeah. like, oh my lord. You know, and we have never seen the movie. Susan and I—we we haven't. We never, because, we never jumped on that Titanic bandwagon. <laughs> we were dating when that movie came out. We had just started dating, 
And I was like, oh my gosh, they're making a movie about the Titanic. I wonder how that's going to end. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, we're not going to see it. Yeah. And I was was never a DiCaprio fan. I've never been a DiCaprio fan either. Um, Oh, Adam. I like Kate Winslet, though. Yeah, Adam, I'll let you see the games, but I doubt there's anything you'd be interested in. There's only four of them, and I, I can't remember what the handheld Nintendo system is. I'll, I'll grab them in a second, but it's like one of them's like a golf game and the others are like memory games. They're, they're yeah. not, they're not fun games. They're not like, you know, I don't think anything you'd be interested in, but, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of them. And, you know, if you are, we'll, we'll cut you a deal. So, um, but, uh, yeah. So, and, um, oh yes, Foxfire, please. I will, uh, uh he'll buy your horror (laughs) he'll buy your horror if you get any horror movies let me know i mean you know i i will um you know the weirder the better if it's in a clamshell or in a big box those are the ones i'm after so um but just posting a yeah we'll we'll talk about that we're cutting in we're cutting into story time uh but no it's fun to talk about because this is bringing us a lot of joy trying to you know, earn some money, you know, at the tail end of the, the pandemic. And, and geez, it sounds like we're going to have another uptick here because people are being fools. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we've got, um, uh, yes, because you're good people, Adam, we'll give you a discount. Because you're good people. <laughs> if there's one you want and it's a system you have, I will give it to you for free. Uh, I won't charge you for it. Um, yeah, well, look at, look at our... Look at our website under games. I mean, well, yeah, yeah I mean, I'll we, put the listing for you, Adam. Don't worry. Well, yeah, I mean, we have some PS4 games. I, I don't know if Adam has a system or just uses uh, his PC. I don't think he has a system. I can't remember. But um, yeah. So anyway, um, we'll uh, yeah. Heather says, yeah, you, you've never seen Titanic. LOL. Well, there's this nice long scene where the boat's going down, and then well. <laughs> It's, it sounds depressing. I mean, I know that there's the there's some sexy times or something, but yeah. I just doesn't everybody die? I mean, nah, there's a there's a beautiful live. there's a beautiful um mul- mural in a bank downtown that the bank has been remodeled mm. as a grocery store. And it's gorgeous. It's Heinen's downtown, Cleveland. And there's this big, beautiful mural on the second floor that you can see from the first floor. And then there's these gorgeous vaulted ceilings. And, you know, it's like the muralist, um, when he finished the mural, he went on the Titanic with his wife to reward himself for finishing it and never came back. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, but it's... It's like from that era, you know, like this, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, so that's fun. Yeah. Anyway, I think okay. we, we, we've, we've spent 15 minutes talking about this and we have uh, two yeah. chapters of um, Dorothy and the Wizard, which I've inadvertently loaded up one of the wrong ones. It says Ozma. So... <laughs> Uh, let me get through. It'll happen. Uh, let me open that up real quick. Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz. Here's part. Mm-hmm. Come on. You gonna load? You gonna go in there? Oh, you son of a sailor man. 
Oh, oh soundbite has crashed. So yeah. What? Oh my yeah. gosh, we're gonna have to keep talking. Yeah, oh no. I know. So nah, that's okay. But yeah. I'm so, gonna post for Adam all the games that we have there right you now. Go. He has a PS4. So we do I think we do have yeah. some. Oh, PS4 I do have games. a PS4 game. So Hmm. Uh, let me see. All right, you work on that. Um, but here we go. Uh, here's uh, um, where did uh, where did are you? Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea what's what's ha what's happening. Well, it, the the file crashed. Uh, the folder, the everything crashed. Anyway. Okay, if you do, you want I me got to it. talk? I got no. I I'm because no. I can talk. It's not oh, that bad. Look. It's not There's the kiddo bad. teaser. That's so cool. Look at that. Oh, nice. I, I will. I'm uh, in okay. a second. But anyway, Dorothy and the Wizard right. in Oz, part one. Chapter nice. one of Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenever. Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz by L. Frank Baum. The Earthquake The train from Frisco was very late. It should have arrived at Hugson's Signing at midnight, but it was already five o'clock, and the gray dawn was breaking in the east when the little train slowly rumbled up to the open shed that served for the station house. As it came to a stop, the conductor called out in a loud voice, Hugson's Siding! At once a little girl rose from her seat and walked to the door of the car, carrying a wicker suitcase in one hand and a round birdcage covered up with newspapers in the other while a parasol was tucked under her arm. The conductor helped her off the car and then the engineer started his train again so that it puffed and groaned and moved slowly away up the track. The reason he was so late was because all through the night there were times when the solid earth shook and trembled under him and the engineer was afraid that at any moment the rails might spread apart and an accident happen to his passengers, so he moved the cars slowly and with caution. The little girl stood still to watch until the train had disappeared around a curve, then she turned to see where she was. The shed at Huxon's siding was bare save for an old wooden bench and did not look very inviting. As she peered through the soft gray light, not a house of any sort was visible near the station, nor was any person in sight. But after a while the child discovered a horse and buggy standing near a group of trees a short distance away. She walked toward it and found the horse tied to a tree and standing motionless, with his head hanging down almost to the ground. It was a big horse, tall and bony, with long legs and large knees and feet. She could count his ribs easily where they showed through the skin of his body, and his head was long and seemed altogether too big for him, as if it did not fit. His tail was short and scraggly, and his harness had been broken in many places and fastened together again with cords and bits of wire. The buggy seemed almost new, for it had a shiny top and side curtains. Getting around in front so that she could look inside, the girl saw a boy curled up on the seat, fast asleep. She set down the bird cage and poked the boy with her parasol. Presently he woke up, rose to a sitting position, and rubbed his eyes briskly. Uh, hello, he said, seeing her. Are you Dorothy Gale? Yes, she answered. 
looking gravely at his tousled hair and blinking gray eyes. Have you come to take me to Hugson's ranch? Of course, he answered. Train in. I couldn't be here if it wasn't, she said. He laughed at that, and his laugh was merry and frank. Jumping out of the buggy, he put Dorothy's suitcase under the seat and her bird cage on the floor in front. Canary birds? he asked. Oh, no, it's just Eureka, my kitten. I thought that was the best way to carry her. The boy nodded. Eureka's a funny name for a cat, he remarked. I named my kitten that because I found it, she explained. Uncle Henry says Eureka means I have found it. All right, hop in. She climbed into the buggy and he followed her. Then the boy picked up the reins, shook them, and said, Get at! The horse did not stir. Dorothy thought he just wiggled one of his drooping ears, but that was all. Get up! called the boy again. The horse stood still. And perhaps, said Dorothy, if you untied him, he would go. The boy laughed cheerfully and jumped out. Guess I'm half asleep yet, he said, untying the horse. But Jim knows his business all right, don't you, Jim? patting the long nose of the animal. Then he got into the buggy again and took the reins, and the horse at once backed away from the tree, turned slowly around, and began to trot down the sandy road, which was just visible in the dim light. Thought that train would never come, observed the boy. I've waited at that station for five hours. We had a lot of earthquakes, said Dorothy. Didn't you feel the ground shake? Yes, but we're used to such things in California, he replied. They don't scare us much. The conductor said it was the worst quake he ever knew. Did he? Then it must have happened while I was asleep, he said thoughtfully. How is Uncle Henry? she inquired after a pause, during which the horse continued to trot with long, regular strides. He's pretty well. He and Uncle Hugson have been having a fine visit. Is Mr. Hugson your uncle? she asked. Yes, Uncle Bill Hugson married your Uncle Henry's wife's sister. So we must be second cousins, said the boy in an amused tone. I work for Uncle Bill on his ranch, and he pays me six dollars a month and my board. Isn't that a great deal? she asked doubtfully. Why, it's a great deal for Uncle Hugson, but not for me. I'm a splendid worker. I work as well as I sleep, he added with a laugh. What is your name? asked Dorothy, thinking she liked the boy's manner and the cheery tone of his voice. Not a very pretty one, he answered as if a little ashamed. My whole name is Zebediah, but folks just call me Zeb. You've been to Australia, haven't you? Yes, with Uncle Henry, she answered. We got to San Francisco a week ago, and Uncle Henry went right on to Huxon's ranch for a visit while I stayed for a few days in the city with some friends we had met. How long will you be with us? he asked. Only a day. Tomorrow Uncle Henry and I must start back for Kansas. We've been away for a long time, you know, and we're anxious to get home again. The boy flicked the big bony horse with his whip and looked thoughtful. Then he started to say something to his little companion, but before he could speak, the buggy began to sway dangerously from side to side, and the earth seemed to rise up before them. Next minute, there was a roar and a sharp crash, and at her side Dorothy saw the ground open in a wide crack and then come together again. Goodness! she cried, grasping the iron rail of the seat. What was that? That was an awful big quake, replied Zeb with a white face. It almost got us that time, Dorothy. The horse had stopped and stood firm as a rock. 
Zeb took the reins and urged him to go, but Jim was stubborn. Then the boy cracked his whip and touched the animal's flanks with it, and after a low moan of protest, Jim stepped slowly along the road. Neither the boy nor the girl spoke again for some minutes. There was a breath of danger in the very air, and every few moments the earth would shake violently. Jim's ears were standing erect upon his head, and every muscle of his big body was tense as he trotted toward home. He was not going very fast, but on his flanks specks of foam began to appear, and at times he would tremble like a leaf. The sky had grown darker again, and the wind made queer sobbing sounds as it swept over the valley. Suddenly there was a rending, tearing sound, and the earth split into another great crack just beneath the spot where the horse was standing. With a wild neigh of terror, the animal fell bodily into the pit, drawing the buggy and its occupants after him. Dorothy grabbed hold of the buggy top, and the boy did the same. The sudden rush into space confused them so that they could not think. Blackness engulfed them on every side, and in breathless silence they waited for the fall to end and crush them against jagged rocks or for the earth to close in on them again and bury them forever in its dreadful depths. The horrible sensation of falling, the darkness, and the terrifying noises proved more than Dorothy could endure, and for a few moments the little girl lost consciousness. Zeb, being a boy, did not faint, but he was badly frightened, and clung to the buggy seat with a tight grip, expecting every moment would be his last. End of chapter 1 There's chapter 1. There you go. Fear of falling. Boys don't Going faint. Down. Boys Going down. Don't. Boys don't faint. Yeah. That would be <laughs> that would be hard if he fainted and he's he's in charge of the horse. Um but yeah. Heather's quoting Carol King. I like that. Yeah. That's I saw cute. those comments a tumbling down, a tumbling down. <laughs> uh Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, all right, there we go. Action-packed intro. Uh, yeah. Looks like this is a new mode of getting to Oz. Yeah, there's always a new mode of getting to Oz. Like, okay, so we went for the her. I think we went for a twister. Yeah. We went, which is on the water, right? And then the no, tornado uh, was the torna first one. No, tornado is on the ground. And then the other one was, a, a, what, a tidal wave or Maybe, what was it? Yeah. There, no, it was, it, she was on a boat or something and there was a storm. It definitely was a storm. Yeah. And yeah. she was on in the, in the, in a crate. And then she yeah. just kind of washed up in a neighboring country. And now this is. Earthquake. So, like weather and natural disasters are the typical yeah. mode of transport to us. Mm-hmm. So, yep. That's how it goes. So that's why I'm always looking for an earthquake. Mm -hmm. They never seem to take me. I never seem to get there. Yeah. Yep. So uh so chapter two is uh quite a bit longer than that one. It's like twenty minutes, so we should probably get to that. Uh, I'm in. For the sake I'm of in. time, so let's uh, see. I don't know what you guys think of this guy's voice. I think he sounds a little nerdy, but I don't mind it. Um, okay. 
I don't but, mind uh, it. Here's uh, chapter two of Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter two of Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Glass City. When Dorothy recovered her senses, they were still falling, but not so fast. The top of the buggy caught the air like a parachute or an umbrella filled with wind, and held them back so that they floated downward with a gentle motion that was not so very disagreeable to bear. The worst thing was their terror of reaching the bottom of this great crack in the earth, and the natural fear that sudden death was about to overtake them at any moment. Crash after crash echoed far above their heads, as the earth came together where it had split, and stones and chunks of clay rattled around them on every side. These they could not see, but they could feel them pelting the buggy top, and Jim screamed almost like a human being when a stone overtook him and struck his bony body. They did not really hurt the poor horse, because everything was falling together, only the stones and rubbish fell faster than the horse and buggy, which were held back by the pressure of the air, so that the terrified animal was actually more frightened than he was injured. How long this state of things continued, Dorothy could not even guess. She was so greatly bewildered. But by and by, as she stared ahead into the black chasm with a beating heart, she began to dimly see the form of the horse Jim, his head up in the air, his ears erect, and his long legs sprawling in every direction as he tumbled through space. Also turning her head, she found that she could see the boy beside her, who had until now remained as still and silent as she herself. Dorothy sighed and commenced to breathe easier. She began to realize that death was not in store for her after all, but that she had merely started upon another adventure which promised to be just as queer and unusual as were those she had before encountered. With this thought in mind, the girl took heart and leaned her head over the side of the buggy to see where the strange light was coming from. Far below her, she found six great glowing balls suspended in the air. The central and largest one was white and reminded her of the sun, Around it were arranged, like the five points of a star, the other five brilliant balls, one being rose-colored, one violet, one yellow, one blue, and one orange. This splendid group of colored suns sent rays darting in every direction, and as the horse and buggy with Dorothy and Zeb sank steadily downward and came nearer to the lights, the rays began to take on all the delicate tintings of a rainbow, growing more and more distinct every moment until all the space was brilliantly illuminated. Dorothy was too dazed to say much, but she watched one of Jim's big ears turn to violet and the other to rose, and wondered that his tail should be yellow and his body striped with blue and orange like the stripes of a zebra. Then she looked at Zeb, whose face was blue and whose hair was pink, and gave a little laugh that sounded a bit nervous. Isn't it funny? she said. The boy was startled, and his eyes were big. Dorothy had a green streak through the center of her face, where the blue and yellow lights came together, and her appearance seemed to add to his fright. I, I don't s s see anything funny about it, he stammered. Just then, 
the buggy tipped slowly over upon its side, the body of the horse tipping also. But they continued to fall all together, and the boy and girl had no difficulty in remaining upon the seat, just as they were before. Then they turned bottom side up, and continued to roll slowly over until they were right side up again. During this time, Jim struggled frantically, all his legs kicking the air. But on finding himself in his former position, the horse said in a relieved tone of voice, Well, that's better. Dorothy and Zeb looked at one another in wonder. Can your horse talk? she asked. Never knew him to before, replied the boy. Those were the first words I ever said, called out the horse who had overheard them, and I can't explain why I happened to speak then. This is a nice scrape you got me into, isn't it? As for that, we are in the same scrape ourselves, answered Dorothy cheerfully. But never mind, something will happen pretty soon. Of course, growled the horse, and then we shall be sorry it happened. Zeb gave a shiver. All this was so terrible and unreal that he could not understand it at all, and so had good reason to be afraid. Swiftly they drew near to the flaming-colored suns and passed close beside them. The light was then so bright that it dazzled their eyes, and they covered their faces with their hands to escape being blinded. There was no heat in the colored suns, however, and after they had passed below them, the top of the buggy shut out many of the piercing rays so that the boy and girl could open their eyes again. We've got to come to the bottom sometime, remarked Zeb with a deep sigh. We can't keep falling forever, you know. Of course not, said Dorothy. We are somewhere in the middle of the earth, and the chances are we'll reach the other side of it before long. But it's a big hollow, isn't it? Awful big, answered the boy. We're coming to something now, announced the horse. At this they both put their heads over the side of the buggy and looked down. Yes, there was land below them and not so very far away either. But they were floating very, very slowly, so slowly that it could no longer be called a fall, and the children had ample time to take heart and look about them. They saw a landscape with mountains and plains, lakes and rivers, very like those upon the earth's surface, but all the scene was splendidly colored by the variegated lights from the six suns. Here and there were groups of houses that seemed to be made of clear glass because they sparkled so brightly. I'm sure we are in no danger, said Dorothy in a sober voice. We are falling so slowly that we can't be dashed to pieces when we land, and this country that we are coming to seems quite pretty. We'll never get home again, though, declared Zeb with a groan. Oh, I'm not so sure of that, replied the girl. But don't let us worry over such things, Zeb. We can't help ourselves just now, you know, and I've always been told it's foolish to borrow trouble. The boy became silent, having no reply to so sensible a speech, and soon both were fully occupied in staring at the strange scene spread out below them. They seemed to be falling right into the middle of a big city which had many tall buildings with glass domes and sharp-pointed spires. These spires were like great spear-points, and if they tumbled upon one of them, they were likely to suffer serious injury. 
Jim the horse had seen these spires also, and his ears stood straight up with fear, while Dorothy and Zeb held their breaths in suspense. But no, they floated gently down upon a broad flat roof and came to stop at last. When Jim felt something firm under his feet, the poor beast's legs trembled so much that he could hardly stand. But Zeb at once leaped out of the buggy to the roof, and he was so awkward and hasty that he kicked over Dorothy's birdcage, which rolled out upon the roof so that the bottom came off. At once a pink kitten crept out of the upset cage, sat down upon the glass roof, and yawned and blinked its round eyes. Oh, said Dorothy, that's Eureka. First time I ever saw a pink cat, said Zeb. Eureka isn't pink, she's white. It's this queer light that gives her that color. Where's my milk? asked the kitten, looking up into Dorothy's face. I'm most starved to death. Oh, Eureka, can you talk? Talk? Am I talking? Good gracious, I believe I am. Isn't it funny? asked the kitten. It's all wrong, said Zeb gravely. Animals ought not to talk, but even old Jim has been saying things since we had our accident. I can't see that it's wrong, remarked Jim in his gruff tones. At least it isn't as wrong as some other things. What's going to become of us now? I don't know, answered the boy, looking about him curiously. The houses of the city were all made of glass, so clear and transparent that one could look through the walls as easily as through a window. Dorothy saw, underneath the roof on which she stood, several rooms used for rest chambers, and even thought she could make out a number of queer forms huddled into the corners of these rooms. The roof beside them had a great hole smashed through it, and pieces of glass were lying scattered in every direction. A nearby steeple had been broken off short, and the fragments lay heaped beside it. Other buildings were cracked in places, or had corners chipped off from them, but they must have been very beautiful before these accidents had happened to mar their perfection. The rainbow tints from the colored suns fell upon the glass city softly, and gave to the buildings many delicate shifting hues which were very pretty to see. But not a sound had broken the stillness since the strangers had arrived, except that of their own voices. They began to wonder if there were no people to inhabit this magnificent city of the inner world. Suddenly a man appeared through a hole in the roof next to the one they were on, and stepped into plain view. He was not a very large man, but was well formed and had a beautiful face, calm and serene as the face of a fine portrait. His clothing fitted his form snugly and was gorgeously colored in brilliant shades of green, which varied as the sunbeams touched them, but was not wholly influenced by the solar rays. The man had taken a step or two across the glass roof before he noticed the presence of the strangers, but then he stopped abruptly. There was no expression of either fear or surprise upon his tranquil face, yet he must have been both astonished and afraid, for after his eyes had rested upon the ungainly form of the horse for a moment, he walked rapidly to the furthest edge of the roof, his head turned back over his shoulder to gaze at the strange animal. Look out! cried Dorothy, who noticed that the beautiful man did not look where he was going. Be careful or you fall off! But he paid no attention to her warning. 
He reached the edge of the tall roof, stepped one foot out into the air, and walked into space as calmly as if he were on firm ground. The girl, greatly astonished, ran to lean over the edge of the roof and saw the man walking rapidly through the air toward the ground. Soon he reached the street and disappeared through a glass doorway into one of the glass buildings. How strange! she exclaimed, drawing a long breath. Yes, but it's a lot of fun, if it is strange, remarked the small voice of the kitten, and Dorothy turned to find her pet walking in the air a foot or so away from the edge of the roof. Come back, Eureka, she called in distress. You'll certainly be killed. I have nine lives, said the kitten, purring softly, as it walked around in a circle and then came back to the roof. But I can't lose even one of them by falling in this country, because I really couldn't manage to fall if I wanted to. Does the air bear up your weight? asked the girl. Of course, can't you see? And again the kitten wandered into the air and back to the edge of the roof. It's wonderful, said Dorothy. Suppose we let Eureka go down to the street and get someone to help us, suggested Zeb, who had been even more amazed than Dorothy at these strange happenings. Perhaps we can walk on the air ourselves, replied the girl. Zeb drew back with a shiver. I wouldn't dare try, he said. Maybe Jim will go, continued Dorothy, looking at the horse. And maybe he won't, answered Jim. I have tumbled through the air long enough to make me contented on this roof. But we didn't tumble to the roof, said the girl. By the time we reached here we were floating very slowly, and I'm almost sure we could float down to the street without getting hurt. Eureka walks on the air all right. Eureka weighs only about half a pound, replied the horse in a scornful tone, while I weigh about half a ton. You don't weigh as much as you ought to, Jim remarked the girl, shaking her head as she looked at the animal. You're dreadfully skinny. Oh, well, I'm old, said the horse, hanging his head despondently. And I've had lots of trouble in my day, little one. For a good many years I drew a public cab in Chicago, and that's enough to make anyone skinny. He eats enough to get fat, I'm sure, said the boy gravely. Do I? Can you remember any breakfast that I've had today? growled Jim, as if he resented Zeb's speech. None of us has had breakfast, said the boy, and in a time of danger like this it's foolish to talk about eating. Nothing is more dangerous than being without food, declared the horse with a sniff at the rebuke of his young master, and just at present no one can tell whether there are any oats in this queer country or not. If there are, they are liable to be glass oats. Oh, no, exclaimed Dorothy. I can see plenty of nice gardens and fields down below us at the edge of this city, but I wish we could find a way to get to the ground. Why don't you walk? asked Eureka. I'm as hungry as the horse is, and I want my milk. Will you try it, Zeb? asked the girl, turning to her companion. Zeb hesitated. He was still pale and frightened, for this dreadful adventure had upset him and made him nervous and worried. But he did not wish the little girl to think him a coward, so he advanced slowly to the edge of the roof. Dorothy stretched out a hand to him, and Zeb put one foot out and let it rest in the air a little over the edge of the roof. It seemed firm enough to walk upon, 
So he took courage and put out the other foot. Dorothy kept hold of his hand and followed him, and soon they were both walking through the air with the kitten frisking beside them. Come on, Jim, called the boy. It's all right. Jim had crept to the edge of the roof to look over, and being a sensible horse and quite experienced, he made up his mind that he could go where the others did. So with a snort and a neigh and a whisk of his short tail, he trotted off the roof into the air, and at once began floating downward to the street. His great weight made him fall faster than the children walked, and he passed them on the way down, but when he came to the glass pavement, he alighted upon it so softly that he was not even jarred. "'Well, well,' said Dorothy, drawing a long breath. "'What a strange country this is!' People began to come out of the glass doors to look at the new arrivals, and pretty soon quite a crowd had assembled. There were men and women, but no children at all, and the folks were all beautifully formed and attractively dressed, and had wonderfully handsome faces. There was not an ugly person in all the throng, Yet Dorothy was not especially pleased by the appearance of these people, because their features had no more expression than the faces of dolls. They did not smile, nor did they frown, or show either fear, or surprise, or curiosity, or friendliness. They simply stared at the strangers, paying most attention to Jim and Eureka, for they had never before seen either a horse or a cat, and the children bore an outward resemblance to themselves. Pretty soon a man joined the group who wore a glistening star in the dark hair just over his forehead. He seemed to be a person of authority, for the others pressed back to give him room. After turning his composed eyes first upon the animals and then upon the children, he said to Zeb, who was a little taller than Dorothy, "'Tell me, intruder, was it you who caused the rain of stones?' For a moment the boy did not know what he meant by this question. Then he remembered the stones that had fallen with them and passed them long before they had reached this place. He answered, No, sir, we didn't cause anything. It was the earthquake. The man with the star stood for a time quietly thinking over this speech. Then he asked, What is an earthquake? I don't know, said Zeb, who was still confused. But Dorothy, seeing his perplexity, answered, it's a shaking of the earth. In this quake a big crack opened and we fell through, horse and buggy and all, and the stones got loose and came down with us. The man with the star regarded her with his calm, expressionless eyes. The rain of stones has done much damage to our city, he said, and we shall hold you responsible for it unless you can prove your innocence. How can we do that? asked the girl. That I am not prepared to say. It is your affair, not mine. You must go to the house of the sorcerer, who will soon discover the truth. Where is the house of the sorcerer? the girl inquired. I will lead you to it. Come. He turned and walked down the street, and after a moment's hesitation, Dorothy caught Eureka in her arms and climbed into the buggy. The boy took his seat beside her and said, Get up, Jim. As the horse ambled along, drawing the buggy, the people of the glass city made way for them and formed a procession in their rear. 
Slowly they moved down one street and up another, turning first this way and then that, until they came to an open square in the center of which was a big glass palace, having a central dome and four tall spires on each corner. End of chapter 2 Sorry I didn't have the music queued up, but uh, there you go. There's the first two chapters. That's okay. You just had to prove to me that you're not responsible for the earthquake. Um... Go well, on. Prove what, it. What year was this? <laughs> what year is this? Um, I'm just saying it would be hard to prove you're not responsible for a natural disaster. Yeah. To someone it, that doesn't really understand logic and science, right? Yeah, I, I suppose so, but yeah. That's, uh, the, year that's is this? the situation they're in now, so that sucks. Yeah. What year is this? Um, Hell. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wait anyway, uh, thank you, uh, Agent You're welcome. Cooper. Um, but yeah, so that was fun. We we uh, were back into Oz, and uh, we're they're in the uh, center of the Earth, which is weird. Which is a glass center. city, and I don't remember this part at all. I don't remember it, so I'm glad to hear it again. I hope there's not a lot of stone throwing. There was some stone. <laughs> breaking with the earthquake that brought them yeah. there and that's why the people are angry prove you didn't do it what year prove is this you didn't do it yeah <laughs> so uh typically we would play wormwood forest right now but it's um we might not have enough time to squeeze that in because it's 15 minutes but i do oh. have uh, a Popeye story, but it's different than the other nice. Popeyes that we have, and I have a funny story about this, is um, when I was a kid, I bought something out of uh, like a, a quarter machine, you know, with the little egg that comes out, the capsule, and, you know, I always used to, you know, beg my mom for a quarter to buy something out of one of those things. And one time, I got something... And I had no idea what on earth it was because it was like a folded up piece of transparent plastic, but it was a sticker and it had grooves on it. And I looked closer and I'm like, this is a little mm. record. It's a little <laughs> record that, that you're supposed to, you know, peel off, stick on cardboard. And I didn't have a record player that would play it because it was so small. It was only about like three or four inches in diameter. And wow. my parents' record player, well, that's when the needle came back because it, it was as big as the center of an LP. So I needed a kid's record player that wouldn't stop, that didn't have an auto return mm. on it. So yeah. I went to my friend Steve's house and I couldn't, you couldn't tell what was on it, but it was a little Popeye story. Oh, and that's cute. Yeah, so, you know, it took me a while, and I was like, oh, your record player goes all the way to the end. That's cool. I want to try something. And it was all mm -hmm. warped and everything because, you know, it was folded, so it had these permanent kind of creases in it. And I was a kid, and, of wow. course, I, I wasn't smart enough to try and really flatten it out before I put it on a, a piece of cardboard. And But, no, it was but it was really wild and trippy sound, and there was this little Popeye story. So this is, this, so this is like, from the 70s, probably. Um, but this mm -hmm. is, uh, uh, I think this might have been the story 
Uh, it's called wow. a race to the moon. Mm-hmm. It was, but yeah. So this is different Popeye than what we're used to. But yeah, this is. Um, I thought this was you know a, a fun little find because I actually got one of these as a kid. Um, nice. And you know, and somebody somebody saved them for uh, posterity. But yeah, so here's uh we'll do Warmwood Forest after the break. But here's a nice. Popeye the Sailor, a trip. To the moon. Oh, I'm part by the sailor man. I'm part by the sailor man. I do. I am what I am, and that's all what I am. I'm part by the sailor man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm strong to the finish cause I eat me finish. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Both men are on board, waiting for the signal for blast off. 
<laughs> this race is going to be a cinch. I emptied most of the fuel in Popeye's rocket. And when he gets into orbit... Hey, I don't even know how to hear this thing. What kind of inspection has they put me into anyway? Maybe I pulled that there quick. But... <laughs> Papa, a perfect liftoff. And there goes Brutus. Neck and neck. What a sight. The most exciting race of the century. Ha, ha. This ain't no contest. Pretty soon I'll be in orbit. Like right now. And now they give it that little extra boost. And I'm heading right for the moon. Go, baby. Got up, baby. Hey, look at that. Ha, 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 ha. That stupid Popeye. He should be running out of fuel right about now. What I wouldn't give to see his face when he... Hey, Dennis, I often went. He picked me up and set me down on a treetop on the tunnel and scooped me out me on the drama. Hey, what's the matter with this? Oh, yeah. And I take the back to Oi Hunting Station, 
You forget about milling up with olive oil. I promise, I promise. Hang on, here we go. And here comes Popeye, the winner, landing first with through the smoke behind him. Well, Popeye, how does it seem to be back on terra firma? Oh, Popeye, you're wonderful. God, that sounded like crap. Didn't stop. <laughs> and it just stopped. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So wow. I mean, it, it fit on the tiniest little record, so it was about seven minutes. Yeah. So okay. Um, but yeah. anyway. Uh, my apologies for the awfulness of the audio. The parts that I listened to sounded decent enough, but man, the Popeye's voice of of everyone's just kind of just kept going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he did sound like he was in a tin can. Get in a can on me. Yeah, I don't um, know. Anyway, it's my... kind of a fun story anyway, but I, I liked it. But I don't, yeah. I know that it's. It is distracting, that bad quality. Yeah, yeah, certainly is. So, uh, anyway, um, we should go to the break. Uh, you want yeah. to hear Five Minute Mystery? Um, and then we'll uh, get into Wormwood Forest and Jerry in the Circus? Yes, yes, that's the plan. Right. Five Minute Mystery, Blood Brothers. Another Five Minute Mystery. on the east side, a dying patient gives a last expiring gasp. <clears throat> He's gone. Slipped through my fingers like water running through a sieve. It's not your fault, Dr. Grant. You've done everything you could. The hospital certainly not failed. Nurse, you... this man should never have died. Something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure that James Towner here did not die of the ailment he came to this hospital for. Nurse, I'm going to get permission to perform an autopsy. <laughs> Your hunch was right, Dr. Grant. What is it? Tell me, Jones. When we tested Towner's blood in the lab, a foreign substance showed up immediately. I didn't recognize it, but one of my assistants seemed to think he knew what it was. So I let him make tests. A rare poison used only by the South American Indians was introduced into the bloodstream of the victim. It killed him, all right. But that seemed possible, Dr. Grant. Jones, did your man say whether this poison could have been taken through food or... I thought of that, too. He swears it is the only effective... Way when it is taken directly into the bloodstream. And is there any antidote? Uh, not known. My man says the Indians obtain a certain immunity by injecting themselves with small amounts over a long period of time. How could that poison have gotten into Towner's bloodstream? Doctor, I was with the patient every minute he was here. I could swear he had nothing intravenous during the whole time except the transfusions. Two of them which you ordered yourself. The transfusions? Who was the donor? Uh, Mr. Harkness, a friend of Towner's, happened to be visiting him. The friend immediately offered him blood. Towner was grateful and accepted. Harkness said something about his being the least he could do. We tested his blood and found it the right type, so we did the transfusion. 
I think we ought to investigate Harkness. But, Dr. Grant, I'm positive that Mr. Harkness did not even touch Mr. Towner during the whole time of his illness. If what I'm thinking is true, Harkness had something to do with the death of James Towner just the same. Well, we were certainly lucky, Doctor. There's no question about it. Harkness is your man. I knew it. I knew it. I've had Harkness investigated by the police. He's mentioned in Towner's will. Gets the whole estate. The police have searched his apartment and found just what I expected. I feel my medical judgment has been vindicated, Jonesy. You're right, Doctor. We're going to have this man Harkness arrested for the murder of James Towner. Do you know what the doctor and the laboratory technician discovered which indicated to them that Harkness murdered his friend Towner? The doctor will tell you in a moment. But first... What have you found? The thing that indicated to me the fact that Harkness had a hand in the murder of James Towner was something Jones said when he spoke of the poison and the way the South American Indians gained immunity from it. I deduced that probably, against the chance that his so-called friend would need a transfusion, Harkness had so immunized himself over a period of time. If he had, the poison would still be in his blood in some quantity, small perhaps, but enough to react unfavorably on Towner in his condition. A police search verified my hunch. And now... Harkness is being tried for one of the most unusual murders that has ever come to my attention. Poison mushrooms last week. Toadstools. Sometimes poison is a woman's weapon. Sometimes. This time it was a man's weapon. So. Well, uh, let me tell you where nobody gets poisoned. And that's Wormwood Forest. It's a nice place where all the nice animals live. I don't know. They, they, they take some pretty dark... Wasn't there something about... Yeah, there was something about poisoning. They they were watching the the soap opera. The 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 skunk was watching her soap opera, and the the actors in the soap opera were talking about somebody getting poisoned. Do uh, you remember that? It was the mean soap opera. They're pretty. We were nice, shocked. Even though there's some jealous kitty, kitty gets jealous of uh, the rich. 
yeah. I forget what that character is. The character with all the money, not the beaver. Uh, building the hotel. We'll find out in a minute. The the uh, barbecue pig or whatever. Yeah, she's got lots of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so that was uh, that was fun. <laughs> that was an interesting little one. But yeah, blink and you can move. You can not hear all the details in those. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I forgot to uh, make mention. Um, yeah, and Foxfire is probably going to do the uh, the kiddo drop too. So I guess we yeah, we can yeah. get do uh, Wormwood Forest after the the kiddo picture drop here on time for go to bed. Foxfire had a good um, five minute theory. Wrong blood type, maybe mislabeled the blood. Yeah, good, that was good that's theory. a good one. So, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so that was you know, drop time. Why not? Why not? We can drop it anytime. Oh, the picture looks cute. I'm not yeah, sure. The teaser, I the teaser was... I would imagine. I believe it was. Drop. I hope so. That that is door. Look kiddo drop oh my gosh it was so long ago and it was just today there it is she looks like she's looking up and calling it kiddo oh, there she is there oh she is. she's got it wow you read ahead that's great <laughs> oh eureka the kitten eureka is a great name for a kid oh very nice i'm gonna have some fun with that so that is adorable all right, thank you as always, Foxfire. Kiddo meets his new travel companion. So yeah, I'm gonna open that up and save it. Um, yeah. but yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and save that image and get everybody. Uh, let's let's call upon the uh, crappy sounding rooster and uh, <laughs> head over to Wormwood Forest. Everybody, here you go. Let's go back to Wormwood Forest. Oh. Another day in Wormwood Forest. Hello, boys and girls. Again, it's time for another visit with our friends down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, don't run away. Listen a while, you'll want to stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Hello, everybody. This is Dippy Dwarf. Today, Barbecue Pig has the grand opening of her new hotel. So don't leave your radio, listen to our animal show that's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Our greetings, Barbecue Pig. Good morning, Eagle Beaver. And how's my new hotel coming? Just one more nail. There, Pig, your new hotel is completely completed. Yes, ma'am. Yes, indeedy. Oh, that's just the best news I've had in months, Eagle Beaver. Now, what are you going to call this splendid edifice, Pig? Call it? Well, I hadn't thought about a name. When is the big opening? Tonight. You just can't have an opening without a name. Oh, that's right. Horus, I must think of a name. Well, I'll gather up my beavers. You may send the check to my office at the Eager Beaver Building Corporation. They will, and I think you did a perfectly wonderful job on the hotel, Beaver. Glad you're a satisfied customer, Barbecue. And I'll be curious to hear what you call it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, indeed. 
heavens, a name for my hotel. Look, that looks good. Oh, hi, you barbecue pig. Oh, hello, Franklin Rose. Yeah, I see your hotel is completed. Uh, what you gonna call it? I don't know yet. Mm, gee, if you're having the grand opening tonight, you gotta have a name. You just gotta, 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 gotta. Yes, I must have a name. Well, I'll see you tonight when I sing, pig. Toodaloo, Franklin. Heavens, a name for my hotel. I must think. I'll sit here on this rock and try to think. Hi, who's sitting on my shell? Oh, a pig. Oh, Timothy Tuttle, I thought you were rock. Guess maybe I look like a rock because I'm stone broke. <laughs> Hi, get up, pig. You're heavy. You're broke, you say? Well, here's 27 cents, Timothy. Thanks, pig. You can park for one hour. Tuttle, I'm perturbed. I'm distraught. I'm... Getting fat? Holy, am I really? I don't know. What you so worried about, Peg? I don't have a name for my new hotel. And it opens tonight. Oh, that's too bad. No name for your hotel. It must be a good one. A name that's high class and has dignity. Then why don't you ask the skunk? She's coming down the road. Well, so she is. Oh, Susan Skunk. Susan? Hello, Barbecue Pig. Good morning, Susan. Hi, Susie Skunk. Hello, Timothy Turtle. Susan, I'll scoot over so you can sit here beside me. Oh, that's so thoughtful of you, Barbecue. There. Hi, Pig. You only paid for parking privileges for one. Well, here's 16 cents, Timothy. Oh. Now do be quiet. Isn't it a lovely March day? Perhaps, but I'm wood, Susan. My hotel is having a grand opening tonight. Well, you shouldn't worry about that. The thing is, Susan, I don't have a name for my hotel. No name? Oh, gracious, that is bad. With your help, perhaps I can think of a suitable name. We'll write down a list of names. I think I have pencil and paper in my purse. Here we go again. A jar of mustard, my pickle forks, a portable mug lump. What's a mugwump? That's a good question, Tim. A clothes ringer, a bowling ball. I didn't know your bowls, Susan. Oh, I don't. I'm going to have the bowling balls subdivided and use the little ones for mothballs. You're looking for pencil and paper, remember? Butterfly net, hair net. Oh, here's a pencil and some Kleenex. How will we ever ride on such soft paper as Kleenex? Maybe the pencil has soft lead. <laughs> Now, let's list some names. Suggestions, anyone? Well, how about Pig's Palace? Or the Pig's Motel? Or Barbecue's Castle? Or the Swanky Pig Pig? Or the Elite Sway? Or the Ham House? Or the Smoke Or the Bacon Building? What is it, kitty baby? Have you seen Dippy Dwarf? Yeah. Isn't he in his office? No. Or in the lobby? No. Well, I don't know where he is. The pig's downstairs and she wants to see him. Well, I'll see if I can locate him, kitty. Oh, hurry, Frankie. The pig looks awfully worried. Okay. Hey, Dippy. Hey, Dippy Dwarf. I'm up in the attic, Frankie. Well, come down here at once. The pig wants you in the lobby. I'm coming. No. 
You say the pig wants to see me? Yes, she's down in the lobby. Hey, Kitty says she looks worried. Oh, my, oh, my. I'd better run right down. Don't trip on your beard, dwarf. Oh, thanks for reminding me, Kitty. I tuck my beard in my pocket. No! Pig! Oh, there you are. Dippy, thank heavens I found you. What's the trouble, Barbecue? I haven't a name for my hotel. No name? Well, we made out a horribly long list of names, but I can't decide on one. I'm just a nervous wretch. You do look upset. If I don't make up my mind soon, I'm afraid I'll lose it. And then you can't attend your hotel's grand opening tonight. Whatever am I going to do, Dippy? Well, Pig, it just so happens that a new psychiatrist has arrived in Wormwood. A psychiatrist? Yes. Maybe he can help you. This is my last chance. I must go to him at once. Why, you easy. He has an office beyond the willows, down among the sheltering pines. Oh, this must be the place. Oh, here's a sign. Swami Salami, fortune teller, mental job, pyramid club organizer, and psychiatrist. I'll go right in. Yoo-hoo, Swami Salami. Ah, welcome to my inner sanctum, pig. Would you care to have your fortune told? Or your palm, uh, pardon, your pig hoof red? No, I want to be psychoanalyzed. Ah, then permit me to remove my crystal ball from the table. Now stretch yourself out and relax on my couch. Like this. So, now, my pig, tell me what you see when you close your eyes. Dollar marks. Well, let me put my question this way. Pig, when people come to see you, what pops into your head first thing? Oh, when I have visitors, I always think of money. Aha, uh -huh, you have a pickpocket complex. Horrors, no. Everyone always wants to borrow money from me. You have lots of money. Of course. I'm a wealthy Virginia ham. I am. Ah, let us continue with the treatment. Swami Salome, you're staring at me. Tell me when you look at me, what do you see? I see dollar marks. Pig, you're a fascinating creature. With you, I could fold my tents like the Arabs and silently pick your pocket. Swami, I came here to be psychoanalyzed. Now, please continue. As you wish. What is troubling you? I can't think of a name for my hotel. And you are troubling Swami Salami for such a trivial matter? I, who am being the world's most foremost psych psychiatric... Well, if that's the way you'll feel about it, I'm going. But, Pig, you have not paid me. You're right, and I'm not paying you. You haven't helped me one bit. Ah, uh, what could one expect from such a corn-fed pig? corn Corn. Salami, what's made out of corn? How many grits? How many? That's it. Pig, your mind, I cannot follow it. That's what I shall call my hotel. How many? The how many players are... Mmm, the Harmony Plaza. 
Not bad. Oh, this psychoanalysis has been invaluable. Here's a $54 bill for you. Mm, Pig, could you not manage to need another treatment soon? Money like this I have not seen since I sold Persian rugs to the Sheik of Arabi. And so, Dippy Dwarf, I'm going to call my hotel for Homany Plaza. Oh, wonderful, Pig. Now you can go ahead with your plans. Yes. Will you please see if Franklin Frog has arranged his duet with Henrietta Hen? Check with the folk. All right. And send Kitty over to Susan Skunks to see if the hors d'oeuvres are ready. Kitty to Susie's all right. Now I can go upstairs and select the diamond lavalier I'm going to wear to the grand opening. Hey, try it along, pig. I'll send Kitty over to Susie Skunks right away. <laughs> Susie Skunk has the hors d'oeuvres ready. If you're working your way through magazines by selling schools, I don't... Oh, hello, Kitty. Sue, are the hors d'oeuvres ready? Oh, most. Dumb Clock the Woodchuck is arranging them on the tray. Oh, Chucky, are you through fixing the tray? Yes, sweetie Susie Skunky. Look at it. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, I thank you, Woodchuck. Well, Kitty, I didn't mean you. Oh, you don't think I'm beautiful? No, I didn't say that. Why, you Woodchuck, you Kitty, Kitty, Oh, mercy me. Look what you went and did, Kitty. Oh, the order spilled all over the floor. Whatever will we do? Almost time for the grand opening. Please, you don't cry. But, Chucky, what can we make up in such a hurry? Why, that old standby truffle shortcake. Good, if it's a shortcake, it won't take long to make. Right, quick, Susie, the shortening. The flour, truffles, raisins. Pinky Fog, are you ready to sing with the hen? Yeah, sure am, kiddo. We practiced all morning. Wonder who that is at the door. Yeah, I'll go see. Well, hiya, General Grasshopper. Hi, Pranky boy. Got bad news for you. Yeah, bad news? Yeah. Say you made the head practice singing too long today. Well, it takes practice to make a hen sing like a lark. Henrietta won't sing like anything. She won't sing. But, uh, why not? Sprayed her tonsils. She has laryngitis. Cat cackle above a church. Oh, no. Well, does this mean there won't be any duet at the hotel opening? Could you sing a solo, Frog? Well, gee, I haven't anything prepared, Gerald. Tell, tell you what I'm going to do. I'll hop over to the music studio of Strauss and Baus and have him compose an original number for you to do. But, 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 Grasshopper, can you get over there fast enough? Frog, I'll hop as fast as a downwind chocolate with tobacco juice. <laughs> Oh, Susan, thank heavens you made it in time for the order. Yes, Pig, it was a struggle, but we made it. Well, just put the tray here on the buffet. Susan? Yes, ma'am? These are not orders. These are truffle shortcakes. Well, don't you think they'll be all right under the circumstances? Perhaps you're right. Timothy Turtle. Oh, yes, Pug. Take these truffle shortcakes over there and serve them under the circumstances. Well, the circumstances. Don't ask foolish questions. 
the frog is going to sing. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, due to a bit of bad luck, I'm going to sing a solo. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I mean. Uh, I mean, the hen and I practiced and it made her sick. Uh, no, no, uh, I think I'd better just sing. Your Lady Strauss Waltz, if you please, Maestro. In all of Wormwood, no hotel's as good as the Harmony Plaza. The rooms are roomy, the food is perfumey at the Harmony Plaza. You'll never feel blue, there's room service too. Come on, everybody, join in at the Harmony, 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 Harmony. That's corn, brother. At the Harmony Plaza. Even if the Pig's Hotel is the biggest and best in all Wormwood, I doubt if our friends will forsake the Swarf Waldorf, for it's the hotel with the most fun down in Wormwood Forest. Well, there you go. They, I, I can't Warf, believe Putting the dwarf Waldorf out of business. Yeah, I can't believe right? Dippy went along with that. You know, I mean, he seems to uh, just kind of be rolling over for barbecue pig. Oh man, that voice drives me crazy. It's not a good voice. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's I don't not. Think so. I don't think. I think the southern voice we we do at home is better. But I don't know. Probably. But. Probably. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, it seems like Dippy Dwarf is just rolling over for the competition. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's just being nice, but we'll yeah. see. I mean, what is he supposed to do? Say, get out of here! I hate you. This town ain't big enough for the both of us, is what he's supposed to say. That's what he should say. Yeah. And it ain't me that's it. gonna leave. And it ain't me that's gonna leave. Da, 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 da. Little sparks yeah. for everybody. You might be familiar yeah. with the Susie and the Banshees cover as well. Uh, but yeah, so no, that's, that's fun. I mean, the, the soap operatics, uh, continue on Wormwood Forest. It, it's, it's what kind of interesting. What will happen next? What will happen next? But yeah, yeah I was kind of like, okay, she's seeing a psych, a psychic, but she's demanding psychiatry from him. Yeah, I, and he's like, just seriously, did the person that wrote this where they ate? Cause I'm kind of feeling it. I don't know. <laughs> Like, this sounds like something I would do when I didn't really understand the world around me, but I guess when this was written in the 30s, psychiatry in, was a, a new field, and uh, so being psychic was not a new field. So, yeah, I don't know. A mentalist, or a medium. A mentalist, yeah. A medium. Uh, or a small or a large. Oh my gosh, why is Foxfire? Look at these pigs. Oh my gosh, that's the cutest gif I've seen. Oh that's my god. It's pretty God's. hilarious. It's adorable. So, anyway, I like our chat room. I'm sorry. I'm trying to encourage them. No, it's okay. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah, I'm not sure what color Eureka the kitten was. I too was asking that and wondering. Adam said white, and I found pictures online that indicated he was white, but. He did wear a little tuxedo jacket, it, it looked like, in some of the pictures. Yep. So, yeah, I think but, he uh, did. I gave him a dark blue bow, uh, so I, I thought that cool. was kind of fun. So. 
But anyway, thank you again, Foxfire. It's always a pleasure to color your artwork. And um, nice. And this one is uh, super fun. So, super uh, fun. I don't know if I should have gone with an alternate sky and ground since they're underground. I don't know. I just, I, I always right. kind of default blue sky, green grass. So, yeah. Um, but I yeah, do it's like. It's a strange world that they the just went into. It's a strange little world. Oh, and Dorothy does say she's white, says Foxfire. So, cool. Right. Okay. I had missed that. But, uh, all right, well, uh, it's time to get to our big closer tonight. Uh, two episodes of Jerry the Circus. Uh, this begins a new story arc. Uh, the first one is called Helping Clara. And I think Clara was the costume uh, designer for the circus. Nice. So, you ready? All right, here we yeah. go. Let's go. go. Jerry of the Circus. Jerry of the Circus. Hello there, Rags, old boy. Where's your master? <laughs> Glad to see me, huh? Oh, you're pretty cute. Hi, Patsy. Oh, I knew you must be around someplace, Jerry. You know, it's a wonder Rags doesn't lose that tail of his. Don't worry, it's on good and tight. <laughs> I used to wonder about it when he was a pup. Then I'd pick him right up by the tail. And the tail stayed on? Yep. So I know it's on for good. <laughs> what was you doing with your costume? I'm taking it to Clara and then the uh, wardrobe. Oh, gee, it's pretty. What's all this stuff? Looks like diamonds. The rhinestones. They're made of glass. Oh, those are the things that sparkle so when you're working under the light. Mm -hmm. Gee, they're pretty. You sure look swell in that costume. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jerry. That's a nice compliment. Want to come along and meet Clara? Sure. We haven't anything to do right now. Besides, I, I wanted to meet her anyhow. When Mr. Randall and I came back from the police station, he, he asked me the to... police station? What were you doing there? They got Lorenz. No. Yep, money and all. Oh, Jerry. I'm sure glad they caught him, because otherwise I might never have found out about Uncle Dan. Well, it was lucky, wasn't it? Uh-oh, here we are. I almost walked by the wardrobe top. Seems funny calling a ten a top. Oh, you'll get used to it. Clara? Oh, hello there. Are you busy? Of course I'm busy. 
but goodness knows I'm never too busy to see you. Clara, this is Jerry. I'm glad to meet you, Jerry. I've been hearing about you ever since we left Midvale. I'm glad to meet you, too. Now, Patsy, don't tell me you've torn that costume again. I'm losing some of the rhinestones. See, here, around the neck. Let's see. <laughs> Gracious me. I'll say you are, and all around the arms, too. Oh, I guess that's where most of the strain is. Well, this is too much to fix for tonight's show. I'll tell you, if you leave this here after the performance tonight, I'll get it to you first thing in the morning. You're a dear, Clara. I'm sorry I'm such a nuisance. You're never a nuisance. And my goodness, I wish I could say as much for lots of other people in this circus. Clara, uh, Mr. Randall asked me to see you. Mr. Randall? Before? Well, you see, he says you've been having some trouble around here. Well, I'll say I have. Don't tell me you know anything about it. Well, no, but I'm going to try and find out. A regular boy detective now, aren't you? Well, Jerry certainly helped a lot to catch Lorenz. You know, he found the missing piece of the gun. Rags really found it, but I helped. You don't say. Now, if you just tell me, Clara, exactly what happened around here... Of course I will. The thing that burns me up the most is that they've taken my gold thimble, the one grandma... Oh, no, Clara. Not the one your mother got from her mother. That's the one. Oh. And I care more for that thimble than anything else in the world, seems like. What a shame. Well, uh, maybe you just dropped it someplace. No, siree. You know how careful I am with that. I always leave it right in my work basket. Uh, have you got a pencil? Sure thing, right over there on the table. Why? Uh, thank you. I think I'll write everything down. There. Uh, a gold symbol belonged to your grandmother. What else? <laughs> my, you are businesslike. Half of the gold braid that was left over from the uniforms for the band. What happened to the other half? It was all over the floor, and my goodness, was I mad when I saw that mess. All over the floor? Oh, that's funny. Anything else that's valuable? The most valuable things in the whole wardrobe were those jewels. And when I come in and saw them... Oh, Clara, don't tell me all that jewelry is gone. Oh, it'll take forever to find such lovely things again. I'll say it will. But the worst is having to clear up the mess every morning. I'd like to give those thieves a piece of my mind. Every morning? Yes, sir, since we got to this town. Let's see. We move tomorrow night. Why don't you stay and watch tonight? And get hit on the head? No, thanks, not me. I'm not that curious. Gee, I'd love to stick around and find out what's going on. Oh, Jerry, Mr. Randall never let you do that. I've got it. What? Why don't you clear away all this sawdust on the floor? Land sakes, our feet would get damp. Can't stand on bare ground all day. Oh, I mean before you leave tonight. Then at least you'd have a chance to, to get some footprints. As it is, you haven't any idea who's hanging around. You can't get footprints in sawdust, you know. That's right. Policemen always get footprints if they can't get fingerprints. That's a good idea, Jerry. I don't try mind trying at once. Sure. Just before you leave tonight, you sweep all the sawdust away from the door here and, and away from in front of those tables and, and trunks and things. Sure, I will. I'd just like to get my hands on the thieves that stole my thimble. I'll be in first thing in the morning, so don't you step on the ground till we find out if there are prints or, or anything around there. I won't. Don't you worry. stays on the lot all night? Yeah, that's me, all right. Well, I'm Jerry. Oh, howdy. And this is my partner, Rags. Put out your paw, Rags. <laughs> well, well, well. So you're the little critter that's being talked about so much, huh? <laughs> Is Rags being talked about? Oh, 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 I'll say he is. 
He's getting to be about as important to this circus as anyone else in it. You hear that, Rag? <laughs> I guess you got something to live up to now. <laughs> he just finished his last walk around at Bumps. Oh. Gee, they were swell tonight. Uh, but I had something special I, I want to ask you about. Well, fire away, sonny. Well, you see, it's like this. Claire's been having some trouble over in the wardrobe. Yes, I hear tell some pranksters been bothering her. Oh, it's much more serious than that. It, Mr. Randall asked me to help sleuth around. You mean like a detective? Uh-huh. So I thought I'd ask you if you'd kind of help. Keep your eyes open. I'm going to come back later tonight. Maybe Rags and me can detect something. Well, maybe so, but uh, be careful about pussyfooting around where I might catch you instead of the real culprits. That would be awful, wouldn't it? Yeah. So you better not prowl around without giving me the high sign, so I won't make any mistakes. I sure won't. <laughs> oh, there goes Patsy. I- I've got to see her. I'll be back later. Come on, Rags. Yes, and I'll keep me eye out for you and watch the wardrobe top, too. Patsy! Patsy! Oh, hello there, Jerry. I'm just taking my costume over to Clara's. I, I was waiting for you. I've been talking to the night watchman. We're going to find out something about what's going on. Tonight, I hope. I hope so, too, Jerry. But you'd better be careful. After all, you don't want to get mixed up with any desperate characters. Don't you worry about me or Rags. We can take care of ourselves, can't we? <laughs> Say, Patsy, mm-hmm. Bumps and I are going over to the restaurant to have something to eat. Won't you come along? Bumps said I could ask you. Well, well thanks, Jerry. I'd love to. Here, I'll just leave this inside. Wait just here just a minute. Hey, wait a minute, Patsy. Don't go in there. Why not? We don't want your footprints all over the ground. Oh, of course. I, I forgot. Here, let me do it. There, you hold that open so I can see. Hmm, Claire must have left early tonight. There, see? I, I climb up on this box and leave it right there, safe on the table. Without getting my feet on the ground at all. Oh, thanks, Jerry. Lucky I was here. He'd have forgotten all about Clara getting rid of the sawdust. Come on, let's get going. Once has already started. We'll meet him there. I'll race you. Oh, gee, it's no fair beating a girl. What do you mean, beating a girl? Listen here, I'm a pretty good runner. Yeah? You're on. Come on, Rags. We're going to race Patsy. And beat her so bad. All right. You ready? Sure. On your mark. Get set. Ready? Go. <laughs> I'll say you can run. You're just a girl, huh? You can't do anything. I didn't say so. No? You're just as bad as... You said no fair beating a girl. You're ahead of me already. Yeah, but Rags is ahead of me. I'm out of breath. Had enough? No, of course not. Unless you're tired. Not me. Oh, there's Bumps. Right ahead of us. Hi, Bumps. Hello there. What on earth you two are such a hurry for? Oh, well, I guess I beat you after all, Jerry. You sure did, but, but not much. Well, now, what's this all about? Well, Jerry thought I couldn't run. Well, you ought to know that Patsy'd be a pretty fast runner, a girl who flies around on trapezes all day. Well, she has to have pretty good lung power and pretty strong arms and legs. I, I'm finding that out. Say, look, there goes Major Mike. Golly, that package is carrying his most bigger than he is. <laughs> bananas sticking out of the top. What on earth can he want with so many bananas? Oh, maybe he's going to treat some of his friends in the sideshow. He's awful cute, isn't he? I like midgets. It always seems like they're grown-up babies, and you ought to treat them careful-like. Well, you don't have to treat the major so carefully. He knows how to stand up for himself. Well, here we are. Come on in, Patsy. Let's sit up at the counter. Well, you're the boss. <laughs> come on, come on here, Jerry. Yeah, what are you looking at? Oh, I was just watching Major Mike. He's sure in an awful hurry. Come on, Rag. Listen on. 
So you see, the Major can take care of himself. Oh, he certainly can. I've traveled with him for years. He's a scrappy little fella. He's always getting into scrapes because he thinks people are likely to take advantage of him because he's so small. <laughs> he always does have a chip on his shoulder, doesn't he? Gee, that's too bad. Imagine going through life thinking everyone's going to be mean to you. Uh, evening. Can I take your order? Yeah, yes. Uh, what do you want, Patsy? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a nice big piece of... Good night. Look at that dog go. Rags, Rags, come back here. Go wait for me, Bumps. I, I got to get Rags. Goodbye. Rags, Rags, come back here. Aw, oh, Jen, I was hungry, too. Rags! Golly, he, he, he's gone back on the lot. I'm certainly getting my share running tonight. Rags, you bad dog, come here. Rags, get away from there. Let that poor cat off the tent. Come here, you. Come here, I say. Now, aren't you ashamed of yourself chasing a poor little cat? Well, I should think you would be. Look at that poor kitten. Oh, what's wrong, huh? Where? Gee, it does look as if something's moving over there. Golly, in front of Clara's tent. Frags. Shh. Look. Can you see Clara's tent? Yeah, way at the other end of the lot. Something big just went in there. Golly, we, we'd better find that watchman. I couldn't make out what it was. He, he got in there so fast, but I certainly saw something go in that wardrobe just as plain. Come on, Rags. L looks like we've happened on something. We've just got to get that watchman. Wow. <laughs> it was... That was disturbing, wasn't it? But I guess we're all just grown-up babies in a way, right? <laughs> oh. I can't believe he said that out loud, that but, was, you know. I mean, you know, I get it. I get, the, you know, the time that it was made and everything. But my God, it's a human being you're talking about. <laughs> They're just so cute. Oh. That's quite a thing to say, wasn't it? Wow. <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh. Uh. Alright, well. See, that's the kind of thing I would thought would be happening every five minutes, <laughs> but it's happening once a, once a session, but still. That's the, that's still. the thing that would have gotten me slapped across the face as a kid. <laughs> By my mom. So. Really? My my. My parents would have thought it was funny. I mean, they. Well. You know. Well. <laughs> but I don't think it's right. I don't no. think it's right. So, anyway, uh, yeah. So Rags ran after a cat. That's mean. So. Um, yeah. But uh, but all right. Well, uh, for the sake of time, uh, we're gonna run right along and find out uh, who's been fiddling around, who's gone going where they ought not to be. Did they get their money back? They all got their money back, right? That was the last story arc, wasn't it? Yeah. The payroll. So that's good. Yeah, this is a whole new story. So I know, I know. It's somebody's a whole new monkeying story. around in Clara's um, space. So okay, they uh, had a race. Yep. So yep. I well, you know, she's got to be in good shape. Those big muscly legs from walking the tightrope, and those lungs. <laughs> You think because she's a girl, she can't do anything? Yeah. 
So, uh, all right. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, yeah, let's see the uh, what happens in this. part two. Yeah, part two. Let's go. Jerry of the circus. For Jerry of the Circus. Who's there? <laughs> Who's there, I say? It's me, Jerry. I-, I was looking for you, Charlie. Oh, there you are, Jerry. It's so dark, I couldn't see. Wasn't sure who it was. Uh, I've been following you. That's funny. Rags and I have been prowling all over to get you. Well, well what are you doing back here so soon? I-, I thought you went to eat. I'll tell you later. Huh? But we just saw something go into Clara's tent. How long ago? Oh, just a little while. we only just come back on a lot. It was so far away, I, I couldn't see very well. Come on, we'll go on over and see. Got a flashlight? Sure. Say, why didn't you flash it on us instead of following us? Well, I wanted to be sure who you were. If you'd had a gun and I turned the light on you, you'd known where I was. Gee whiz, I, I never thought of that. <laughs> Shh. You'd better keep quiet now that we're so close. <sighs> Look. Where? Right back at the wardrobe top. Did you see that? Looked like it got away. Gee, it went fast. Like a big shadow. you got better eyes than I have, kid. I... I didn't see it. Come on, let's look inside. Now, take it easy, Jerry. Someone may still be here. Wait a minute, I'll, I'll flash me light around to be sure. Not a soul. Well. We got here just too late. Odd, oh, gee. Someone's sure been here, though. Look how those things are all over the floor. Hey, don't go inside. Yes, why not? Did you see something? No, but, but we had Clara sweep the sawdust off the ground so we could see if there were any footprints. Say, put the light down there, will you? Yeah. I don't see any footprints. That's funny. Golly, I, I know someone's been here. Look at the mess and... Oh, it's gone. What? Patsy's dress. It, it was right here on the table. I, I put it there myself. You mean the white one she wears in the act? Yeah, with all the rhinestones. Oh. Gee, that's terrible. What'll she do tomorrow? Oh, this is getting serious. Here, give me that flashlight. Yeah. Let me just look on the ground once more. Say, golly, that's funny. You can see our footsteps plain enough. Say, look here. What is it? What did you find? Say, see these prints? That's not a shoe. It's a foot. It's an animal. A big animal. Golly, kid, I believe you're right. Let's see. Why, it looks like a chimpanzee. Of course. It's Agar the Chimp. Come on, let's get down to those monkey cages quick. You bet. Come on, Rags. 
Why on earth didn't I think of a monkey before? Uh, this way, Jerry. The cages okay. are in this wagon back here. Oh. That's right. I, I was getting mixed up. I, I haven't gotten much acquainted with the monkeys yet. Well, don't you like them? Oh, sure. I, I've just been busy, I guess. Monkeys are awful smart, aren't they? Well, they're a little too smart for my comfort. You try to teach a monkey a trick, and before you know it, he's got it perfectly. But he'll tease you by pretending he's not interested or don't understand. I like that little monkey that, that works with Beppo, the, the little Italian clown. Rags, come back here, Rags. Oh, let him go. What's he after? Rags, him? come here. Whatever he saw must have been right there by that chimp's cage. Here, let me take a look around. Rags, aren't you ashamed of yourself running ahead like that? See anything? Nope, not a thing. Funny, here's the chimp all safe and sound. Yeah, and her cage is bolted on the outside. Gee, that's funny. Hmm. Have they got another chimpanzee as big as this one? No, but no. Well, it's a cinch it's not Agnes' footprints down there in Claire's tent. You think somebody could be going around barefoot? Well, I don't know. My golly, it's a mystery to me. If Ag had been there, she'd have some of the stuff she stole in her cage, wouldn't she? Seems like she would. It beats me what that dog was barking at. Looky. Say, flash that light down here by my feet. Oh. Well, I'll be. Well, what do you know about that? A banana skin. Well, someone's been feeding these monkeys all right. Gee, I, I sure wish we didn't move tomorrow night. Uh, why? One more night, and I think we could clear up this mystery. Yes, how? Oh, I don't know. I, I'd have to figure it out. Say, do we stay in the next town overnight? Uh, let's see. Uh, yes, come to think of it, I guess we do. Good. By that time, Rags and me will get an idea. well to take us down to the hospital this morning. Well, seeing it's the last day in town, I guess I'd kind of like to see your Uncle Dan, too. I, I hate to leave him behind. Rags, come here. That pup sure likes to sniff around all these concession stands. Well, <laughs> he's got to get acquainted with this circus. After all, he's got to keep a nose out for what's going on. <laughs> he doesn't miss much. Jerry, <laughs> uh, don't you worry about leaving your uncle behind. It'll take him a while to get good and strong. And when he does, then you two can decide what's best for the both of you. Bumps, uh, going to oh, hello there, Jake. Yep, yeah, just for a little while, though. Gee, it'll seem funny having an honest-to-goodness family again. What's that? Something wrong? Oh, I don't know. Seems to come from those dressing tents. Yeah, the tents used by the sideshow folks. Well, get out of my dressing room. Get Goodness, what's going on? Oh, it sounds like Major Might and the bearded lady are at it again. Do they often fight like that? Yeah, they've been going at it for about five years now. No. What's wrong? Oh, well, we all think the bearded lady is really mighty fond of the little major, but everyone has kidded him so about her, it's like waving a red flag in his face to even mention her name. He, he's kind of excitable, isn't he? He's downright temperamental. See, that little fella has a disposition like a powder magazine, but with a heart of gold underneath if he happens to take a liking to you. I suppose he's just sensitive about being little. <laughs> you hit the nail right on the head, Jerry. Get away, dog. Beat it. Get out. Get out, little dog. Go on, leave the major alone. Rags, Rags, come here this minute. You see, you see how the bearded lady is trying to protect the major? Rags, what's gotten into you lately? Oh, what a fat dog in a cage with the rest of the animals. Well, good morning there, major. You having some trouble? Oh, morning, Bumps. I certainly am. I always like you, Bumps, but I can't say as much for that dog you work with. I'm sorry, major. I, I don't know what's gotten into him. He, he's usually good. Oh, it's a fine how-do-you-do when dogs start picking on you, too. You come right back here, Major. Don't think you can get away as easy as that, going out to talk to some friends. 
Oh, it's you, Bumps. Now, what do you think? He only bumps out of this. We're friends, and I don't want him annoyed with any of you. Oh, I guess he's stupid. my friend, too. I won't have it, I tell you. I just won't have it. What do you think, Bum? Well, I'm sure I don't know. I though. happen to go into the major's tent for something. That's just it. What business have you in my tent? I'd like to know. That's beside the point. It is not. It's just exactly the point. And what do you suppose I found tucked in the wastebasket? Well, I'm sure I don't know. It's it... a trick. Somebody's trying to get me in trouble. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you did it yourself. Me? It's an insult. Why should I steal Patsy's dress and then put it in your dressing room? Why should I? Tell me that. Patsy's dress? The white one with rhinestones? Exactly. Why should he have anything belonging to her in his room? It's a joke. Somebody's trying to get me in trouble. I never knew it was there, and oh, I have no... Of course, of course now, Major. Oh. I shouldn't worry about it so much. Just see that it gets back to its owner. That's all that's necessary. Yeah, she was worried about not having it for her act this afternoon. Well, I'm sorry, Major, but we're late. We're going into town. Uh, there's a streetcar, and we've got to come make on. it back in time for the show. Well, come along. Hurry, Bye. Jerry. Bye. Yeah, bye. And I'll see the Patsy gets her dress. We'll have to run to make it. Think we can? Why, sure thing. You don't think I'm too old to run after a trolley car, do you? Of course not. Come on. I must say, I'm glad it had to stop, though, for some other passengers. Well... We made it. Hey, Bump, let's sit way up in front. Oh, sure. Sure, if you want to. I'll lead the way. Here we are. You want to sit by the window? Oh, no, no. You climb in first. <laughs> Windows always belong to boys. Thanks. Say, Bumps. Yes, Jerry? Don't you think it's kind of funny? The bearded lady finding Patsy's dress in the major's wagon. Well, it's certainly not usual. Still, it isn't usual for her dress to disappear, either. Yeah, that's true, too. But don't you think that... What, Jerry? Oh, nothing. I I was just thinking. Just wondering about the major. I'm glad to see you. Hello, son. And Bumps. Nice of you two to bother to come and see an old sick man. You're not old. And, and look, you can't be so sick. You're sitting up. Doesn't he look swell, Bumps? Oh, he certainly does. Say, you'll soon be back in those jungles, bagging wild animals again, Dan. I'm afraid it'll be quite a while before I do anything as strenuous as that. However, for the condition I'm in, I feel like a million dollars. I'd rather have you than the million dollars any day. Well... If you don't think I'd have gone through this whole experience just for the sake of finding you again, you're very much mistaken, Jerry. It was worth it. Gee, you're the only family I got, aren't you, Uncle Dan? Yes, I am. And a happy family, now that Mr. Randall has told me all about everything. Pretty lucky finding Lorenz. I'll say so. I'd have been in a fine spot. Of course, the doctor could tell them that I'd lost my memory, but they might have believed I was really Decker and that I only thought I was Danny Dugan. Golly, that'd have been terrible. Hello there. Got visited? Oh, come in, Doctor. This is my nephew, Jerry. Oh, we've met before. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to break up this little party. Oh, no, not yet. We just got here, and it's my last visit. Sorry, son, but I've got a specialist here from out of town who wants to look over your uncle. And it's his only chance to do it. I guess if it'll help your uncle, you'd rather go, wouldn't you? Oh, gee, sure, but... Oh, golly, I, I hate to say goodbye. Don't, then. We'll just say, be seeing you soon. Sure, you bet. Be seeing you soon and, and be seeing you well. That's the ticket, son. Bye, Bumps. 
Take care of that boy for me. Well, I certainly will. Oh, and Randall's promised to look after you until you can pay him back. I know. I tell you, Doc, circus people are the grandest people in the world. They sure know how to help when it's needed. Bye. Gee. Say, uh, Jerry, what about Clara? How are you coming on with your detective work? Oh, not so good. We got to think of something for tomorrow night. Some way of catching sight of that thief. Well, it's pretty hard at night when it's dark. Pops, I, I got it. What? Gee, why didn't I think of it before? We can set up a camera with a flash bulb attached. Then if someone comes in and touches a wire or something, the light will go off and take a picture of the thief. That's a great idea, boy detective. How do you get a wire to make a camera go off? I don't Eh, I saw an Andy Griffith episode that did the same thing, so they, they have ways of figuring it out. <laughs> I, I saw a MacGyver episode that did the same thing with a toothbrush and a matchstick and some wire. Yeah, and a yeah that's it. Give me your hairpin. Okay. And a hairpin. <laughs> oh, that boy detective, Jerry. He's up to a lot of things. That's he just sure crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. there you go. Uh, this is a... I think this this is starting off to be a little more interesting of an arc than the last one. The last one was just kind of a, you know, a, a, a bad guy. This one, I think, is involving some more of the animals and stuff, which is interesting. What, the, one of the animals is breaking into the seamstresses? Yeah, I think it's... Cabin and taking stuff, but we're not sure which animal. But we're thinking it's... Uh, there's a trail of banana... Banana peels, so it's, pills, it's a monkey. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It, <laughs> it's, uh, you know... Yeah. It's a safe bet. <laughs> it might be a safe bet. Uh, oh, goodness. Yeah, so there's some monkey business going on. Monkey business. Yeah. But anyway, uh, there, there we go. That got us right up to the top of the show. We squeezed in everything in time. So I hope everybody liked the um, uh, the the new uh, LibriVox version of uh, Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz. And uh, I liked it. We're, we've only got about six episodes of Wormwood Forest left, and uh, we are all out of Popeye. Uh, but we'll find some other fun stuff, uh, some short stuff. And, of course, we got hundreds of five-minute mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you and I will have to have a meeting before next Thursday. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, uh, well, here. I'm we, we, have lots of, we have lots of brainstorming sessions. We do, we do. So, all right, well, tomorrow on It Came From Cleveland, we have a lot of fun celebrity birthdays we're going to be talking about. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to be talking about B-movie legend Al Adamson. Uh, oh, my gosh, so interesting, you guys. So interesting. Uh, so interesting. And we also and have to plug Adam's um, Adam storyline, too. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. a new mythical moment uh, tomorrow. Mythical moment, yeah. And, but uh, um, yeah, that yeah. the 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 Al Adamson story is really interesting because it it gets crazy. 
it gets real crazy. And uh, yeah. he did uh, Satan's Sadists and Dracula versus Frankenstein. If you're not familiar with the yeah. name, yeah. Um, and I'm, I, and, I was kind of admiring his B B movie repertoire, and I'm kind yeah. of like on the on the wall on the bridge. I don't know what it's called. You're on the on fence some, about on the fence. Like, the fence. That's like what that. I'm on. Um, about different movie directors and yeah. B-movie directors. But I was really interested in this story. He's a, so, he was an innovative guy, to say the least. Um, yeah. In marketing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'll be talking about him. Uh, we've got a bunch of... Uh, uh, Joe is going to be talking about... Um, oh, let's see. Woody Harrelson and Donald Sutherland. Michelle will be talking nice. about... Jared Padalecki, she'll have some great birthday trailers uh, uh, for us as well. Uh, I don't want to spoil that surprise because it's a really fun trailer trailer block. And uh, Miles is going to be talking about uh, Ronnie Cox a little bit, who, uh, who has a birthday and played uh, Captain Jellicoe in the uh, Star Trek uh, two-parter, the classic two-parter, um, mm -hmm. Best of Both Worlds. But he's also going to be uh, he's going to be focused on um, people who turned down Star Trek roles and nice. yeah, lots of other stuff. And I think Suze might come on to talk about Jared Padalecki with uh, Michelle as well. So Big fan. Big yeah. fan. So, yeah. yeah. So And Suze, uh, so, uh, we have less than a minute, so I'll let you uh, finish up. Oh, uh, well. Wow. Now I'm speechless. Uh, Foxfire says she likes the new Oz books, Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz, because she hadn't read that one, so that's... We're glad to bring it to you. Like I said, I've been wanting to read them all, um, but because I've read them, I'm not as motivated to read them all, but listening to them all, wow, that's fun. So, getting to re-experience it, and uh, I, I know I liked Eureka the Kitten. So, 10 seconds. But yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Good night. Be safe. Be well. Stay out of trouble. Time for go to bed.